All right, man, that was awesome. I love our band. I love how incredibly talented they are and, and uh, how they lead us every week. And uh, man, I think I'm just blessed every time I, I come here and um, sing with them. I hope you are as well. Uh, we're in a series entitled For His Glory. I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are in this series. We've been in it for a while. We've been going through the entire letter of Romans. Um, for those of you who might be new, uh, Romans is actually a letter written by a guy named Paul, and he uh, sent this letter to a church that to the church that was in Rome. And so uh, that's why we call it Romans. And and uh, we've been going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, just really uncovering and and seeing what God. Uh, wants us to know what God wants us to learn and, and how to apply it to our life. And so um, today is where we're at. We're, we're going to be in verses 26 and, and 27. Before, um, we, before I get going here and, and as you're turning, a couple of quick announcements, things that are going on. I mentioned the building. Pray for that. Still, still going to be incredible. Hopefully be there by Easter. That's my goal. Uh, that's, that's what's what I'm hoping, so not going to be too long to do that. Uh, it's been a good week for me. Um, my son accepted Christ this week, so I was super pumped. He's been asking questions for weeks and weeks. Yeah, thanks for, for that. It's love when, when your kids are asking questions and they're kind of pursuing. And, and you know, as a, I'm a preacher's kid, so kind of growing up in church, I'm always kind of sensitive to the fact that, hey, I want this to be your decision. So it's like answer questions and then, you know, We'll talk about it later, and then he keeps coming back, and it's like, listen, we'll talk about it, and then, you know, let him come back again, and just awesome experience. God, God is so good, and, um, and then we've also got um, the marriage retreat, uh, or marriage conference, not a retreat, conference, so uh, material is in the cafe, uh, lots of cards for you to take to work, invite some families, invite some friends to that. Um, we've, we've had several creative meetings on this, and uh, I can tell you this, it's going to be hilarious. And so uh, if you don't get anything else out of it, you're going to laugh a lot. And um, on top of that, though, uh, as we look at what God's Word says about uh, our marriage relationship and how it's supposed to work, um, that's going to be uh, the main focus, obviously. It's going to be incredible. So it doesn't matter if you've been married for 50 years and your marriage is great, or if uh, you know, you've just got married, or wherever you're at, marriage is on the rock. It's going to be an incredible weekend, so I hope you'll register for that. You can register online. It's 50 bucks a couple. Take some of these cards to our firefighters and our police officers, because we're going to let them come for free, and uh, we want to bless them with this opportunity. So I'm excited about it. I hope you'll get registered, and you're ready to go with that. Um, so Romans chapter 8. Let me catch you up. If you, if you weren't here last week, let's be reminded also, if you were, um, where we're at. He was talking about pain, suffering, groaning in the world, in this life. And he said, we can have hope in the fact that we know that one day God is going to make all things new. That, that Christ is going to return and, and, and uh, our bodies will, will have a brand new body. There will be a new heaven, a new earth. We'll, we'll have all things new. No more sin, no more sickness, no more death. And all the sin that we experience and the suffering as a result of that will be completely wiped away. He talked about how creation is even groaning. So we see disasters taking place. And, and Paul was calling it futility and saying there's a senselessness about this. And there's a, we don't know why it happens. We don't know why there is disease. There's disasters. And this just seems pointless. And he says, look, this is the groaning of creation. And it's the groaning that you and I experience as a result of sin in the world. Now listen, if you're married, you know what groaning sounds like. 
when you woke up this morning, you heard your husband and your wife. You hear the groans. Why? Because our bodies are aching. Our knees are sore. Uh, All these things are happening because of sin. It's not the way God intended it to be. And so we know that our our hope is in the fact that we're going to get a new body. And, and, and all these things are because of what Christ has done on the cross and our faith in him is going to allow us to experience this when he returns. Now, he told us to wait for it eagerly and to wait for it patiently. And so the idea is that we read in, in the Phillips translation, that verse is that it's like we're standing on our tiptoes. And so anytime you stand on your tiptoes, it's because you're usually in a crowd and you're trying to see what's going on. And uh, it's kind of like Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man and he was looking and he climbed the tree instead. And so... The idea for us is that we're eagerly, that means we're excited about the return of Christ. And so we're on our tiptoes, we're waiting, we're expecting. And, and he says there's hope in that. Because when somebody close to you dies, when somebody close to you has a disease, when there's hurting, when there's problems, financial problems, and you're just like, ah, and you're groaning, and you're sighing because this is just tough sometimes to live in this world. He says, have hope. And stand on your tiptoes and just look and expect because It's all passing away. This life is short. He's making all things new. He also told us to wait patiently. So we're excited, but we also know he's going to do it in his time. At just the right moment, it's going to happen. He compared it to labor pains. So all the ladies who've given birth, I mean, this is the perfect example. It's, It's the labor pains. It's like, okay, I'm pregnant and there's labor pains. It hurts. It's painful. But at the same time, you're excited, aren't you, moms? You're excited because you know something's about to happen. Something big is about to take place. It's exciting and you're in pain at the same time. And he says, that's exactly where we're at in this life. The earth is groaning, disasters, suffering. In your life, there's problems. This is a painful season of our life because this is the labor pains. But we also are expecting and excited because we know something's about to happen. And we read the passage of Scripture where Jesus said, it's like, you know, when the woman gives birth, she forgets about the pain because of the joy of the new life that God has given to her. So the idea and the example is for us that one day, when, when we're no longer in this world and we're, we're in heaven as a believer in Christ, then he says in the very beginning of this passage, you know, our present suffering right now, this world, that's not even going to compare to how awesome our future is. And so he says, have hope in that. Be encouraged by that when you're going through problems, when you're going through suffering. Some of you walk in today and somebody's sick. Somebody's dying. Somebody's hurt. There's financial problems. Your marriage is struggling. And sometimes we wrestle and we're like, we just don't get it. Why is all this happening? And I don't know what to do with it. And and, and the scripture is teaching us now, just be patient and, and, and be excited and eager that one day all of these things will be completely wiped away. And then we get to our passage here today in verses 26 and 27. And he begins to teach us some amazing things that, that even when we don't know what to pray for or how to pray, the Spirit of God is praying for us. And man, that gives us hope. And, and you know, this passage, this entire chapter is, is an incredible passage as it relates to what the Spirit of God does and, and, and who He is. And so I want to spend a quick moment before we actually read these verses going over what we've already seen in this chapter 
Because the Spirit of God is not just like this roaming force that's just kind of floating, you know, kind of ghost-like thing. The Spirit of God is God himself. He is a person that we are to grow to know and understand and love. Now, now our, our religion, Christianity, is the only uh, religion that holds this truth. The truth that there is one God. And in this one God, there are three persons that have existed eternally... And these three persons have distinct functions. Now, we call that the doctrine of the Trinity. And, and so we believe, and, and, and now listen, the scripture doesn't say, and it doesn't have a verse that says, you know, therefore the Trinity exists and every, you know, God is in three persons, eternally existed, and, you know, three different functions. We, we don't see that exact phrase. We don't see the word Trinity in the Bible. But what we do see is over and over and over again, all throughout the scripture, the teaching that there is one God, and that in this God, there are three persons with, with work and a function to do. Jesus saving us, the Spirit guiding us, the Father creating. And so we see this working. And so let me remind you of a few things that we've, we've already covered. First of all, in verse 2, it says that the Spirit of life, talking specifically about the Spirit here, He is a, a person working in our life as a believer. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin. So the idea is that the Spirit is the one in our life who lives within us as a believer, who is is setting us free from sin and of death. Verse 4, it says that the Spirit helps you fulfill the just requirements. And so the Spirit is is, is helping us fulfill these things in our life. Verse 6, it says that the Spirit gives life and peace. So some of you aren't experiencing life or peace in your life. And it's like, you're not, you, you, don't, you don't experience the Spirit in your life right now. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. Or maybe there's so much sin in your life, you're not experiencing Him today. But He allows us to experience this peace in our life. Verse 13 says that the Spirit helps us put to death the deeds of the body. So we are, we are putting to death the deeds of the body. In other words, sin. And it's the spirit that helps us overcome sin. Bad attitudes, you know, lustful eyes, you know, addictions, you know, not loving our neighbor. He is the one that is allowing us to put to death these things in our life. Verse 14 says, the sons of God are led by the spirit. So for a believer in Christ, we are led by the Spirit, that's one of the, it's one of the uh, great benefits of being a, a believer is that we are led by Him. Verses 15 and 16, it says, The Spirit bears witness in us that we are children of God and so gives us assurance of our salvation. So the Spirit is the one that allows us to have assurance or confidence in our salvation. So if you've been in church for a while, or, or maybe not, maybe you're a believer, or maybe you've just wrestled with, am I, am I really a Christian I mean, I've been to church, but have I accepted Christ? And, and maybe you've said a prayer, or maybe, you know, you walk forward at one church or, or another. Or maybe you've been baptized, but, but you've wrestled with the fact, am I really saved? Am I really going to heaven? The Bible teaches us that it's the Spirit of God that gives us the assurance that we have done that. So if you've been struggling with that for years and years and you're unsure, uh, perhaps the question for you is, have you really received Christ into your life? And maybe that decision is what you need to do today as soon as possible, so that you can, first of all, receive the Spirit, and then He gives us the confidence and assurance that, yes, I am a Christian, I am a son of God, I have put my faith and trust in Him, and He gives us that confidence. Verse 23, it says the Holy Spirit is the foretaste 
and the guarantee of our final redemption. So having the Spirit within us is the guarantee that we are believers, that we're going to get, you know, we're on our way to heaven, we're going to get a new body, we're going to be a part of the family of God um, in the future, and we are even today. So the Spirit, very important that we understand Him, that we, we grow in Him, that we come to love Him. And, 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 and listen, if we want to love God, then we, we want to know who Jesus is, and we have to understand who the Spirit is. Because they're not three different people doing separate things out here. They are one, it is one God. Sometimes hard for us to understand, but it's the truth in Scripture. And we come to understand and love all facets of our God. All right, let's look at Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Intercedes means praise for us with groanings too deep for words. So it's so deep and it's so powerful and it's so just right on point that there's no words to even describe it, he says. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes or prays for the saints according to the will of God. Now, these two verses are incredible. We just, let me just talk about them for a minute. You see, what we see here is, is, is the first word, likewise. So, you know, what, what does likewise mean? So let's back up. Remember what I started with. There is sin, there is suffering, there is pain, there is trouble in this world. And then he says, he goes through all these verses that say, have hope, be on your tiptoes, be waiting. God's going to give you a new body. All sin is going to be gone. Creation is going to be as it was supposed to be. The lion's going to lay down with the lamb. There's not going to be any problem with that because it was supposed to be, you know, peaceful and eating gazelles and all that stuff was not supposed to happen. And so he's going to make all things new. And then he says, likewise. So in other words, he's saying, hey, and here's another thing that you can have hope with. Here's another thing that you can be encouraged by. Here's another thing that is going to get you eager about the coming of Christ and eager about following Jesus and and, and, and eager about the second coming and how Christ is going to make all things new. And he says, this is is what it comes down to. Here's another way that we we can deal with the problems that we face in this world. Number one, if you want to take notes, the first truth is that the Spirit helps you in your weakness. Verse 26, I mean... Kind of obvious there, right? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, before we talk about how He helps us, let me talk about our weakness. Because we have some weaknesses, don't we? Um, if you have weaknesses, shake your head like this. Would you like to share some of your weaknesses with me? I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But that would be fun, wouldn't it? Listen, we all have weaknesses. But one of the hardest things for us to do is to admit those weaknesses, you know, we, we were talking to the men's group on Saturday, and I was kind of sharing a story. I'm not going to share it here because it's embarrassing. But uh, how we're not the same athlete that we used to be, you know. We're not this, we can't do the same things physically that we used to be able to do. You know, you can't stay up late, you know, run and gun and do the deal that you used to do when you were 19, 20, 24, and, 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 and not get a good night's rest and then get up and do it again. We just, you just can't do that anymore. You know, if you're over 35, it's just like, you know what, I need nap time again. You know, the whole cycle. As a kid, I'm napping and now I got to get my nap in or I'm cranky, you know. And, 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 and we just have weaknesses. Our body has weaknesses. We're aching. But then we also have weaknesses emotionally and spiritually and relationally. 
And listen, if we're not going to be honest about what our weaknesses are, then how can we overcome then? How can we accept the Spirit of God's help in our life to, to begin to have victory over them? And so think about it like this. You remember when you interview for a new position? You know, some of you are kind of going through the job process. You're doing interviews. And, and maybe when you were younger, you remember going through some of those. You've, maybe you've had a job for a long time, so it's been a while. But, you know, the famous couple of questions that you always get asked in the interview is, first and foremost, tell me about some of your strengths. And so we're like, oh, yeah, let me tell you, man, I'm good at this and I'm good at that and blah, 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 blah. And then the follow-up question is what? Yeah, what, well, tell me what your weaknesses are. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, I, I mean, it's a tense moment right there. As believers, we don't want to lie. Can't lie. But it's not like you want to say, well, I like to sleep in, so I'm probably not going to be here every day. You, know? you can't say that. You're trying to get the job, right? So let, here, here's what we kind of do. We kind of spin our weaknesses and make them good, don't we? So, like, for example, here's, here's one that I like to use. It's like, well, what are your weaknesses, Trent? Well, I tell you, one of my biggest weaknesses is that, and by the way, you can take notes on this. Nobody's going to judge you for this. And if, if you're young trying to get a job, you can actually use this one, okay? So it's like, what, what, you know, what, what's your weaknesses? It's like, well, you know, my biggest weaknesses is that I just love to work, you know? And I just, I just go, you know, I just want to please my boss. and I just go, go. And sometimes I just don't have enough, you know, me time. I don't slow down. You see how that works? Isn't that a good one? Come on, I need some response. Are we awake? That's a pretty good one, yeah. Because it's like I, I'm owning up to the fact that I just shared a weakness, but it's not like a bad one. I kind of just did the whole deal. And, and, you're, and, and the guy interviewing, he knows one thing about you. He just realized what our biggest weakness is. We're a liar, you know, so, and we're good at, at, at lying. But yeah, you can use that one. So what, what we need, need to be careful about is spinning our weaknesses spiritually. It's, it's really, really a bad habit to begin to spin your sin and your weaknesses relationally with your spouse or with your loved ones or with your church and spin them in such a way that you kind of make them seem okay. You know, I would be honest with my wife, but I don't think she would really understand. So I'm not, I'm not going to be open. So I just, I just spun what I should be telling, kind of turned it into a positive. I, I know looking at pornography is wrong, but it's better than actually having a physical affair with another person, right? So I'm going to justify that. I'm going to spin my sin a little bit, my weakness, and, and, and make it okay. You know, we do that all the time, don't we? We kind of spin our weaknesses around and we try to make sure nobody knows what they are. And so we we don't like to be open and we don't like to share what they are. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you really want to grow, I mean, this is only for those of you who love Jesus and really want to grow would, would do something like this. But have you ever spent time really writing down on paper what your weaknesses are? Not what your weakness is, because I'm sure it's plural. Most of you are married. You know it's plural. She's told you lots of times, right? You know? So what are they? What, what are your weaknesses? What, what do you struggle with? I mean, have you thought through them? Because it's important for us. Because here we see that the Spirit is helping us in our weakness. And it's okay for us to admit today, yeah, I've got weaknesses. But what are they? What are you struggling with? Let's, let's think about that and let's write them down so that we can appreciate this passage and begin to see what the Spirit of God wants to do in our life because He helps us in our weakness. 
I believe that authentic prayer, real prayer, occurs when we recognize our weakness. Because it's in those moments where we're honest and confessing to God what it is that we're struggling with, what it is that we're weak at, and where we need Him to strengthen us. Now listen, if, if you're living a life that doesn't incorporate a prayer time, or maybe you just don't pray very much, here, here's what you're doing there. You're, basically what you're saying is, I have no weaknesses. Because I'm, you know, I'm pretty much not praying God, so right now I have no weaknesses. Life is good, bills are paid, you know, things are good, and so I don't need you. And so that couldn't be further from the truth, could it? Um, we, we need Christ in every area of our life, but with our lives, sometimes we just, we just completely forget about him and neglect that relationship, re- neglect that prayer time. And as a result, we're pretty much telling him, I have no weaknesses. But when he says the Spirit helps us with our weakness, weaknesses, he's pretty much saying, we're weak. We have many. We've already seen that this, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us, verse 2, we, we kind of looked at this, he sets us free from the law of sin. Spirit gives us life. The Spirit helps us put to, to death the deeds of the body. Here's the next thing I want you to write down. Secondly, the Spirit is praying even when you don't know what or how to pray. The Spirit is praying for you even when you don't know what or how to pray. Now that's, that's pretty amazing to me. That the Spirit of God is actually praying for me. And so there are times, and maybe you've experienced this, there are times when, when you're suffering, there's pain, there's some financial difficulty, there's something really going on, and then you just kneel down to pray and to talk to God, and you just don't know what to say. I mean, you don't know how to say it, you can't verbalize it with words, you, you, your brain might just be kind of like mush because of the stress and the pressure of whatever is happening, it's just kind of sitting on your shoulders, and it's like, I came to pray, I'm kneeling down to pray, but all I can do is cry. And we might walk away from that experience and say, wow, that was a waste of time. I don't know. I didn't even pray. And he's like, look, in that moment, the Spirit of God is praying for you. Now that's, in, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? Because some of us have, let's admit it, some of us have said, I feel all alone. Or I am all alone. Or nobody's praying for me. Or nobody understands me. And maybe when we look around, that's maybe forming some opinions, but we know one person, the Spirit of God within us, who's never leaving us, never forsaking us, and is always with us, and is always praying for us in those moments, specifically in those moments. I mean, doesn't that encourage you that He is never going to leave you? He's never going to just take a nap time, you know? He's not going to, hey, you guys go ahead and make this decision, and and, and good luck with this. I've got to lay down. It's been a rough day. He's never going to walk away from us. He is always with us. And he not only knows uh, what to pray, he knows how to pray and when to pray for us. And that should give us hope. That should give us encouragement. Because there are so many times in my life that I just don't know what to say. And I just don't know how to say it. And I just kind of sit there. And I'm just like, I know I need something, but I don't know what it is. We've prayed stupid prayers, haven't we? Haven't you prayed some dumb prayers? I mean, it's kind of weird to actually admit that because God loves and knows and wants us to talk about everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'll admit, I've prayed some pretty dumb things, you know? I'm playing golf with this group of guys not long ago and it's like, I'm not the greatest golfer. I'm usually in the 90s. 
four hundreds, whatever. It's not important. So when I'm playing this one day in particular, a group of guys I don't know very well, and I'm like, I just remember kind of warming up and just saying, God, it sure would be awesome today if you could just help me not embarrass myself and help me to shoot in the 80s today. You know, don't, I just don't want to look like an idiot. You know, that's my mind. It's just, God, help me to shoot in the 80s just this one day, you know, and just like, rain down upon me. You're just like begging, you know, you've been there. Some of you are athletes, you've like, God, help me to score a certain amount of points, you know, or score a touchdown or whatever, you know. You but I, I'm, I remember praying this, you know, it wasn't long, but it was, a, it was a dumb prayer and I prayed. And then when I went out and played, it was like the worst day of my life. I lost like 10 balls. I, I, I was well in the hundreds and it was, just, it was just humiliating. And I just remember, you know, experiencing that and thinking, well, I guess God really, uh, instead of inflating my ego today, he really wanted me to learn humility today. And it's like, I get that. You know, sometimes we just pray some dumb things. Sometimes we just don't know what to say. Sometimes we don't know how to say it. Sometimes the pain is so real, right? That it's just, words just don't come out. It's in that moment the Spirit helps us and the Spirit prays for us. And I just want you to know that it's okay not to know exactly how you're supposed to pray. And there's, it's okay to say, you know what, I just don't know how to do it. I don't, I don't know what to say or I don't know how to formulate this into words right now. And I just want you to know that it's, that it's okay. We don't have to feel like we're horrible Christians for that. There are times, he says, there's, that you're going to be weak and you're not going to know. But he says, I'm going to pray for you. Now, what, what does he pray? How does he pray? Number three, the third thing I want you to see is that the Spirit prays for God's perfect will for you. Verse 27, he intercedes for us because he knows the will of God. He is God. So he's praying that God's will would take place in our life. And, and, and what is he specifically doing when, when, when he's praying? Well, he is praying what we have no idea what to pray for. When we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit of God is praying for us. Isn't that encouraging? It's like, can we just sit down today and spend some time with God and and, and just confess, I don't know what I'm supposed to be praying for, but I want to praise you right now because you are praying for me for the exact right thing that I need today. It's amazing that he would do that. And he, he does this because we're weak, because of our weaknesses. We don't know exactly how to pray or when to pray. Now listen, if it has been revealed in the Bible, we know we need to pray for it. So when he says to love your neighbor, we know we need to pray that God would help us to love our neighbor. When, when Jesus says to go and make disciples, we know that we need to pray. Help us to make disciples appropriately and, and, and on point with you, Lord. When, when we see the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these things, when we see that, we know we need to pray for love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness in our life. So there are many things we know that we're supposed to pray for. So, and obviously, that's been revealed to us in his word. What are the things that we're to pray for that we don't know? How are we supposed to do that? And, and why would he even mention this in the scripture to pray for things, or that the Spirit is praying for things that we don't even know what to pray for? What could it be? Well, here's what I think. I think that in the context of this passage where he's talking about suffering and pain and disasters and to have hope that he's going to give us a new body, that he's going to, you know, make all things new. In, that, in the light of, of, of that context, what he's, what he's specifically talking about is during this time of suffering in your life, during this time of maybe it's a disease or maybe it's, you know, a sickness or maybe it's a financial crisis 
a job loss or whatever. It's a time of suffering and problem and challenge in your life. During that situation, listen, you don't know what you should pray for. God, heal me. Well, maybe it's not His will. Maybe His will is, God, help me to have the endurance and strength to live for you and die well in the midst of this suffering and disease. Now that's a tough one. God, give me a job. Or God, help me to to trust you for the next year when I'm going to be unemployed and doing whatever I can do to make ends meet. Because we don't know if his will is that you get a job right now, or if his will is you learn to trust him for the next year, and then he gives you the job. We don't know. We don't know God's will. We know what's been revealed to us, but specifically sometimes we don't know. Should God heal me of this disease right now? Or should it, should it be something that God uses to grow me and develop me and allow me to see him more clearly? Now, what is his will? I don't know. Listen, I'm praying for healing for you. I pray for me if it's me. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point of the passage is that in your weakness, when you don't know what to pray for because we don't know God's will, we're going to pray for it. But listen, the Spirit of God does know and we trust Him and we have hope in Him during those times. Now we see this in Scripture. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul has some kind of physical problem. We're not told exactly what it is. Some theologians think it's like an eye problem of of some sorts, but we don't know. All we know is he's begging and asking God to remove it, to heal him. And in the scripture, in chapter 12, it says three times, he says, I I asked the Lord to to remove it from my life and from me. And and the Lord's response was, hey, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, I'm not going to heal you of this deal. My grace is sufficient. You are made strong in your weakness. Through me, I make you strong when you are weak. And so Paul's okay with that. Paul's okay with not getting healed because he knows that in my weakness right now, when I experience this, that God is strengthening me and he's using that to grow me. It's tough to hear, isn't it? Sometimes we don't, we always want the Hey, just make it better, God. But we don't always want the God who gives us something to keep us humble or to grow us. But that's the reality that we've got to face. And, and here's the deal. The encouragement and the hope is you're not always going to be experiencing that. He's going to heal you eventually, sooner or later. This is a momentary struggle, isn't it? Um, another instance in the Bible is in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, 22 and 24. Paul's in prison. He writes a letter to the, to the church in Philippi. And he says, look, I, I don't know, you know. Because I, I want to die and I want to be with, with the Lord. I want to go on because this is really hard. But then on the other end, I know if I stay, it's really good for you guys because I'm going to keep teaching and preaching. So I'm struggling in exactly what to pray for and what to do and what to hope for in my life. Should I hope I die? Should I hope I stay here forever? Or should I hope I get out and I can preach? And here's what he says. Verse 22, he says, If I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And he says, I do not know which to choose. In other words, I don't know. Verse 23, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So he's there. He's in the struggle. He was in prison for a long time. Finally, he was released. Now listen, this is, this is a struggle we have to deal with and face and, and be encouraged by, but at the same time be strong and confident in. 
Because think about it, as Christianity is, is ridiculed and as we're persecuted more and more as history and as, as time goes on, it's just, you know, we're going to be more persecuted in the future. So as it goes on, this is going to be even more relevant. You know, people in China are going to jail. They're going to prison for their faith. People in the Middle East, they go to prison right now for their faith in Christ. And so should their prayer be, God, release me from prison? Or should it be, you know, help me in this time of imprisonment to share Jesus with all of these guards and help me to make much of you? Maybe it's both. I think it probably is both. But, but for God's will, how are you going to know? Is he going to release me? Or am I supposed to be here for a reason? So that's a difficult thing. We can't always answer that. So his hope, the hope that he gives us is that in that moment when you don't know what to pray for, the Spirit is praying for you. And our hope and our goal is to press into him, to love him, to follow him, to pray for what we do know to pray for. And in that, we are blessed. And in that pain, we understand Christ more fully. Now, as we move on to verse 28 and 29 and 30, it just gets better and it all makes, begins to make more and more sense. So the next time we meet, we, we discuss this, we're going to see that this pain, this suffering, we don't know how to pray. He knows the will of God So we're encouraged by that. He says, look, the suffering and the pain that you experience, all these things, I use it for your good and for my glory. It's like, what? How do you do do that? It's like, you, you you can't wrap your mind around that. It's too amazing that the pain and the suffering that we go through, we don't know how to pray. He is praying for us. He says, this is what I do. I take this suffering, I take this pain, and in my own way, I can, I can use this stuff that you're going through. And it's actually going to turn out for your good. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever heard a story like that? Have you ever heard a testimony of somebody that said, you know, I was living this way. I got cancer. I almost died. God healed me. I'm living for him. And I praise God that he gave me cancer. Have you ever heard somebody physically say that? That is a powerful story. Have you ever praised God for a problem? Maybe you're praising God because of past marriage problems. And that through those past marriage problems, God grew you. Maybe you went to counseling. Maybe you you, you started coming to church. This could be many of your stories. I've heard them. And now you're on track. You're in God's will. You're following him. You're excited about him. And you're like, you know what? If it hadn't been for our struggle here, we wouldn't be here in this church. or We wouldn't be experiencing him like we are now. I praise God for that problem. Some of you are there. Some of you are in the midst of the problem. And so the hope for you is that God is praying for you and God's going to use this for your good in the future if you follow and trust him. Now, here's what I want you to do with this today. A lot of good stuff. I I, I hope you're encouraged by it. But here's what I want you to go home and do. Um, Homework, I guess. What I want you to do is I want you to go home and make a list. Go home and make a list. And here's what I want you to do with that list. On one side of the column, I want you to make a list of your weaknesses. So, God, I confess that one of my weaknesses is I am not patient. That's the first column. The second column is right next to that statement, out a little ways I'm going to put, but I praise you, God, for helping me in my weakness. I praise you, God, for helping me become a more patient man of God, a woman of God. God, I have a problem. My, my weakness, God, is, is, is I, I, I have a problem with lust. That's my weakness. But I praise you, God, column two, 
that you are helping me overcome my lust. Oh, 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 that's the challenge. I want you to go home. Maybe your list is like 20 pages long. I don't know. Maybe, maybe your list is, is short. I don't know what it is, but I want you to physically go home and make a list in a journal, on your computer, do something on your iPad. Make the list. Here's what I'm struggling with, God, and I'm confessing that. But column two is I'm praising you today. You see what we're doing? We're praising God in the midst of our struggle and we're saying specifically, I realize and I'm encouraged by the fact that I know that you're helping me in this weakness. Make that connection. That's the challenge for you today. I'm going to ask James and uh, Jessica to come back up and close us in a song that's going to help us uh, just reflect a little bit this morning. Because as we reflect on the fact that the Spirit is praying for us and we, we kind of focus around prayer, what we realize in our culture is one of the struggles is we don't slow down enough to pray. We don't slow down enough to make a list. We don't slow down enough to spend adequate time focusing on our relationship with the Lord. And so as I'm challenging you to do that, I want us to continue to kind of move into this time of reflection just with that same mentality. The song they're going to sing is to, to be still and, and to, to, to hear Him and to listen to Him. And, and maybe for some of you that is the most important thing you'll hear all day is that in your life, it's time to slow down and listen to Him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, thank you for your truth. I thank you for the fact that you are praying for us even when we don't know what to pray for. And Lord, in this moment, there are several people here that just want to hear from you. They need to experience you. Lord, they came here just with a hunger for, for something and maybe they don't even know what that is, but ultimately, Lord, it is you. And I pray that you would just, just speak to them, encourage them, God, I pray that we would all be encouraged to get on our knees and pray and, and speak to you and that we would be encouraged today by the fact that you are praying for us, that you love us and that you are helping all of us in our weaknesses. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.